We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 312 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dean Hilton, and today we are making some Barcelona Podcast history. While the audio may not be as good as it normally is on my fancy dancy mixer, it's our very first in-person show, and joining me in his own home, I should I should say I'm joining him, it's Mike Crimmins. Mike, how do you think it's going to go? Uh, I don't know. This is my first time uh, doing, a, uh, doing a YouTube video or being on camera, so I'll do my best, and it's great to meet you in person finally, so... Let's do this. Yeah, for a long time, I was told that I've got a, a face for radio and a voice for, well, not even television, but yeah, we'll see how it goes between the camera and the microphone. But we, again, want to tell everyone, just head over to YouTube, check out that segment. It's probably going to be just a portion of this show, but for those who are always here every week, twice a week for all the audio, that's what you get here. And what we're going to start with today, Mike, is I think a quick topic. Our main topic is going to be Sergio Aguero today, and we're going to do some transfers at the end, some reason to hold on. But one of the reasons why you could have tuned off was that 1-1 draw against Boca Juniors in penalties in Saudi Arabia. And I do have some notes, but only because I host a podcast. If I didn't host a podcast, I don't think I would have thought about that match again. Yeah, well, I didn't see the match, so I did tune out. <laughs> I, went, uh, I went skiing that day, so you can, uh, you can tell from that how much uh, credence I put into that. You know, it's a friendly... A friendly is a friendly is a friendly, whether it's preseason or midseason. It's meaningless. It's a little sad, I think, that the club is is so desperate for money these days. Yeah. I think this was simply a cash grab. Uh, mid midweek, middle of the season, to go to Saudi Arabia ball places to to make uh, you know three million dollars, which you know not so long ago would have been pocket change for Barcelona, but now is actually a, you know a significant amount of money that I think we wanted to we wanted to take. So I didn't see the game. <laughs> I heard Danny Alves looked okay. Well, that's um, true. I think if we have talking points, it's actually on a player that Kool-Aid's know a lot, a lot about, and that's yeah. Danny Alves, who is clearly, in my eyes, the best player on the field, whether he was getting in central positions, whether he was pushing forward when the game was 1-1, or just being uh, as the right back with a younger player in front of him and Sergino Dest out of the way on the left wing. For Danny Alves to be the best player, it is kind of worrying. Yes, because he's 37 years old and it's worrying. But it is a bright side, too, because as we've said, maybe Barca's best starting 11 in the spring when they are fighting for top four, when it's time to potentially not even go far in the Copa del Rey, but try to do well in the Copa del Rey. And, of course, in the Europa League, how far can you go there? And to have Danny Alves be your maybe part of that starting lineup, at least at least that friendly told me, okay, Maybe he's still in shape. Maybe he's got something yeah. in comparison to some of the other players around him. And then I think the other player who really stood out was Ferran Jukla, the player who came for Barca B, from Espanyol B during the offseason. 
scored the goal, played on the right, and then switched to the middle, so showing some versatility. That's yeah. how you break into the first team by playing more than one position. And I went and did a deep dive on his numbers. He has four goals and four assists in 15 matches so far for Barca B, which is pretty good. And then prior to, though, last season, five goals and 28 appearances with Espanol B, seven goals and 24 appearances the year before the 20-year-old. Uh, so at 22, 23 in February, I don't know how much of a high ceiling he has. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We're really at the point to say, hey, if you can just be re- re- useful off the bench for six months for Barcelona's first team, yeah. who knows where your career goes. Yeah, it's a little concerning that. I mean, I saw the goal. I did see the highlights, and, and that was a nicely taken goal. Yeah. Um, but if we're if we're relying on sort of a, an Espanol cast-off, you know, at 22 years old who hasn't broken through yet to – to you know, play a significant role the rest of the way. I think we're, I think we're in even more trouble than we thought. But no, it'd be interesting to see him. I mean, watching him play in the middle, especially. You know, maybe we'll see him this week against Elche in that position. You know, I, I know, I know. I probably speak for all police. We don't really want to see Luke Young there again this weekend. So, um, you know, if he's somebody that can give us minutes there and and uh, you know, pin the center backs or just you know, show good movement in there and, and and open up space and maybe score a goal or two, you know, or the rest of the way, then. And then maybe he can be useful, but um, I'm with you. I'm not sure how high his ceiling is. Yeah, and against Boca Juniors, who were fighting, they were trying in that match. I don't think the level between Boca Juniors and Elche, if anything, Boca is actually the more difficult of the opponents. Again, no disrespect to Elche. Yeah. The stakes are a little different, too, but I think if Juca can perform there, and again, he's been, sometimes he is Barca B's best player. He has been sometimes, again, coming off the right. And then, just like everyone else, a young player, he's ineffective at times, but I mean, we talked about with Abde not making the trip even. Yeah. Obviously, Abde would have started in this match, right. and I... I've already had the expectation that Abde would have been one of the most important players in that match. And then the question becomes, really for you, between Ricky Pouge, who controlled things, for better or worse, I don't know when Ricky Pouge is your your main playmaker, your main guy, your main focal point, as he was. I don't yeah. know what that says about the team one, but I think it says more about the fact that Coutinho, in Saudi Arabia, in this friendly like this, could not be the influential best player, could not be the, the playmaker. But actually, Des is the one I'm most worried about. Playing on that left wing, I mean, is he best as a right back? Is he best as a right winger? Was he making room for other players? I don't know. Why would yeah. you play him in a friendly up on the left wing? I think it's a death sentence, honestly, for Dest. It seems like it to me. I mean, here we here we are. Actually, we just talked about how friendlies don't mean anything, and now we're going to read all this meaning into it. But uh, but I do. <laughs> but I do kind of. I do kind of agree with you that like if if Xavi doesn't have any confidence in Dest at right back, and it certainly seems like he doesn't. Although I guess you know Dest has had that back injury, so I'm kind of hoping that maybe yeah. some some of some of his his absence has to do with that. Um, you know, but throwing him up there on the left wing, you know, I just, I just don't think Javi sees a space for him. I mean, this is just a makeshift lineup of a bunch of guys who haven't played together, and so I, I'm, I'm with you as a fan of the U.S. Men's National Team, as and as a fan of uh, of, of Sergio Modest. I'm not sure he's going to be around that much longer at Barcelona. Coutinho, I, I have a feeling Coutinho just felt like you know starting a friendly in Saudi Arabia with a bunch of kids and and mm. and, and bench players. Uh, was an insult to him. That, that's how he views it, I think. And, and maybe, yeah, maybe. He, he just wasn't going to give his best in that match. So I didn't see the match, like I said. So maybe that's unfair. But continues continues that you know his mentality lately at Barcelona yeah. has been has been a guy with a with a chip on his shoulder in, in a bad way, and his head is down. And uh, so I, I I don't know. I can't read anything into his performance there. You know, I mean, I, I've been criticized for being a bit too critical of Coutinho. I think that's the player I've given the most negativity to over the last few. I mean, rightfully so justified, yeah, I but I think say. this season's interesting because he should have already been gone. Yeah. I mean, that was what was best for the player. That was what was best for his career. But he's, for me, he's the epitome of a lame duck player at Barcelona. Yeah. So 
the he's reason why he's our bail. Exactly. So mm-hmm. the reason you can't read in that because he actually still might be a great player. He there, it might exist, but it will never exist at that location. It just won't happen in Barcelona. It's not the fit. And so again, I, I keep repeating every week with Coutinho, whether he plays in the Liga or whether he plays in Saudi Arabia. Uh, either way, and then the young players too, Alexander Balde, who people have been asking for, Alejandro Balde rather, and Alex Balde. The final third continues to be the issue. Mm-hmm. You could tell in that friendly why he doesn't get the first team minutes that yeah. I think people kind of are pining for. And it could happen, but I think he still needs to make that next step with Barca B. Clearly, he's one of, and when you watch Barca B, his physical tools allow him to be one of the most influential players, but now he just needs to make that next step. Uh, and then very another raw player. player. Yeah. Right, right, very raw. And then it's still at 18, and then all of a sudden you're going to blink and he's 20. Now you got some worries. And then the other one playing who actually played left back as Balde switched to the left wing was Mika Marmol, who's made a lot of news on Barca Twitter, at least for being a player that could be important. And this is the juncture where I'm really going to read into too much. The question I'm asking for Mika Marmol, he came in as left back and then gave the play as a left center back. So I don't know if that says more about Mika potentially mm-hmm. making his first team debut as a left back. Or is it about Mingaitha getting to play where he's most comfortable? If it's Mingaitha getting to play at center back, because that's where he fits, well, I guess that makes sense. But if Xavi's actually saying, hey, Balde's not ready, Miko Marble, maybe he could be a depth option at left back. Yeah. He's played at left back and, and left center back in the academy. He has been Barca B's best player. I think that is a general consensus, that he has been their most consistent, most important player for Sergio Bazwan this year at left center back. So... I mean, why not? I think we're getting to that point with him. Yeah, I actually didn't realize he'd been playing left back. I always, th- I always hear of him as a center back. As a, well, as earlier. A it's been about the last year or two when yeah. he's been a center back. He was yeah. a left back prior to. I mean, with Alba's injury history, if he doesn't trust Balde yet, he doesn't seem to like Dest on the left, where I think Dest has been okay on the left and sometimes better than he's been on the right. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, he's tried Mengesa on the left side. That doesn't, that doesn't work. Nope. Um, so he's kind of out of options um, if we can't bring anybody in, which... I'm sure we can't. We have we have other places we need to yeah. reinforce more than left back. Um, well, I mean, I think wing backs are just so expensive. Yeah. There's not even a mark. Like, a January market for a wing back is not existent. It will be interesting. I did see on Twitter today. Uh, um, somebody had noted that the the idea is for for Mika Marmel to to be more in the first team dynamics going forward. So maybe maybe Javi saw enough. Um, you know, he's probably had him in mind, um, mm-hmm. and maybe he's seen enough. To, to to give him a chance the second half of the season. I mean, it probably also depends a bit on if Umtiti leaves or Longley leaves. I don't think that's going to happen. I wish Umtiti, we could find an exit for him in January. Mm-hmm. It's like you were saying with um, uh, with Coutinho, I think it would be best for everybody involved if Coutinho moved on in January. Right. But I just, I'm just unconvinced there's going to be a market for him, number one, and right. number two, whether he'll agree to go or take a wage cut or um, you know, do the things he needs to do for, to, re, to restart his career. And I think Umtiti's kind of in the same boat. Well, a big reminder, too. We'll get to it. I don't want to ruin the transfer segment yet, but it is a big reminder with Katina and Titi trying to move them on that they have to fit into the other team's salary structure for the 21-22 season. That's why it's obviously a lot easier to move players in the summertime. Yeah, there's preseason, all that stuff, but just financially, even from a club's perspective, January transfer moves are difficult because you have to refit into that salary structure, depending on the league, too. So Premier League League is whatever. You just throw into the Premier League and they'll keep pushing that cap up. And Barcelona would be, I mean, obviously this isn't ideal, but uh, we'd be better off paying part of Coutinho's and MTD's salary while they're playing somewhere else Possibly. than paying all of their salary to have them sit on the bench and make, make frankly, meaningless appearances or, or detrimental appearances for the club yeah. um, every, every once a month or something, you know. So, I, I mean, I think, I think it would be best, you know, in this whole reboot of the team to get both of those players out as soon as possible, even if it means paying half their salary or 40% of their salary for the rest of the year. 
Yeah. And then I think the final player from the friendly that should be brought up was Elasha Komash, who is, again, he's had potential for a long time. Uh, well, not a long time, but two, three years. If you're 17, a yeah, long time is, <laughs> is two, three years, I guess, <laughs> in his time. But at 17, he shows that he can beat a man. He has a skill. He can do that. But it's putting all that together. He is so, so raw, just like Balde. Yeah. Where, again, he's 17. We'll check in on him in a year or two. But he still could be making first-team appearances. But once again, with a young player like him, I don't want to read too much into it. It's not like a Gabi or Nico or Pedri. We were like, okay, this guy's going to be around the peripheral. Abde's the one who kind of made the jump. He is going to be 20 what, uh, tomorrow, actually. So I guess at 20, uh, you're also splitting hairs because some guys are late bloomers, right? So Abde mm-hmm. at 19 might be where Dukla is at 23 or whatever it may be. But yeah, yeah. do you want to close the book on that? We'll hit yeah, I do, I, do, I do want to mention just Ilyash and... and you know, Balde, I think, are, are similar in that not everybody, like you said, is an Ansu or a Pedri or a God. We're, it's, we're incredibly lucky to have yeah. more guys who have made that jump at such a young age. Um, but, you know, you can also ruin players by rushing them too much and, 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 mm-hmm. and sort of blowing their confidence and not having them on that developmental path that they need to be on individually. And everybody has their, everybody has their timeline. Everybody has their path. So I hope that those guys will get time. I still think they both have tremendous potential. But number one, they shouldn't be rushing. Number two, they shouldn't be giving up on too too early. So. Well, yeah, I say I, I'm blue in the face that progress is not linear. Yeah. That certainly uh, setbacks. I mean, injury setbacks affect those things. Certainly, I mean, uh, Elias also with his red cards this year, he's actually missing starts mm-hmm. and stops. And Elias too has played with the first team, Barca B, and Juvenil Oz. Mm-hmm. And as Conrad de la Fuente, actually another U.S. Men's team player, mm-hmm. kind of reminded us that. If you were jumping and not knowing where you're going to be, who you're going to be playing with from weekend to weekend, yeah. like, yeah, it's cool to debut for the first team. These are big experiences. Like, can you make the most of the appearances? But sometimes that start and stop with these young careers can be detrimental in a year, even if it's beneficial in the long term. So, again, there are players who put a pin in it, and then there are ones like Marmol where you go, okay, I think that one for him might have been a bit of a tryout for right. the first team. But, unfortunately, speaking of the first team players in and out, uh, the saddest way to go out is to a forced retirement through injury. And at this point, I think it's time to talk about Sergio Aguero. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So speaking of Sergio Aguero, 33 years old, retires after 18 years at the top flight, one goal and five appearances for Barcelona. He does it in El Clasico. It was a bit odd watching that press conference at Barcelona because obviously it just should have been a Man City as if he had signed for six more months. But obviously you don't know what happens there. He could have had a, he could have scored 10 to 15, 20 goals for Barcelona. Who knows this year? No, 20 is a bit much, but he could have scored 10 to 15 this Mm -hmm. year with how desperate Barca were for anyone to play the number nine with Fati out. It's possible, but... The question that I think we're asking, and Barcelev, one of the other co-hosts, did bring this up to me on Twitter. I didn't respond to him on Twitter, unfairly, Levon, uh, probably <laughs> listening. He fairly questioned when I said that Aguero was in the pantheon of Zlatan and Rooney and Ronaldo and Messi. And that really did get me thinking, though, about Aguero and his legacy. Mm-hmm. Right? He obviously is not a legend for Barcelona. He played five appearances. But as a player in total, because we really just focus on Barcelona, do you think Aguero doesn't get enough credit, or do you think he's perfectly aligned to where he is when we speak about him as a player. Well, he's certainly not overrated, so we can eliminate that I, possibility. Right. I mean, well, he, unless, unless I say that he's in the pantheon of Zlatan well, and Ronaldo Messi, does that overrate him? I mean, I think he's, he's either right there or just a, a slight notch below. I mean, he's mm-hmm. the all-time, if I'm, if I'm correct, he's the all-time non-English scorer, goal scorer yeah. in, in Premier League history. And frankly, he has the most memorable goal for me uh, of a non I don't a think non Barcelona goal. No, you know? I, I mean I think uh, that goal is the most important goal in EPL history. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, against QPR, we're talking about the 2012 Man City, and you know what's funny? Aguero was 23 when he scored that wow. goal. That's what's incredible because he felt like he was a veteran at that time. Well, he was if he was 23, I mean he had already scored 100 goals for Atletico. Before. Exactly. I yeah. mean, so you know, I mean, when you see, I mean, you put it in those terms, the guy scored 100 goals for Atletico before the age of 23, yep. goes on to Man City, becomes Man City's all-time leading scorer, I believe, right? 260 goals for Man City in almost 400 games, 184 of them coming in the Premier League, 38 goals for Independiente, uh, Independiente as a teenager, debuting at 15 years old, also 40 for Argentina, being a 100-cap man, 101 to be exact, and you were right, 100 exactly for mm-hmm. Atletico Madrid in 230 appearances. So, and I think bringing up Argentina is a good point. Because I think Argentina is where he loses that yeah. credibility. It's where he he doesn't because he didn't help Messi the way that he was always supposed to. And I think that hurts his legacy. I also think playing at Man City certainly hurts his legacy because as he was making his way at Man City, Man City also were you know had they were buying their success. So yeah. We don't have to you know we could say that in that way. So I think not having the brand of Man City, also playing the EPL as a non English speaker, really did hurt his marketability. Because if he was on every billboard in in Manchester, if he yeah. was on every billboard in London, I think we were talking about it entirely. But he gave interviews in English, which he does not usually. Right. And then, yeah, then again, the Argentina stuff. But on the other side, if you're familiar with his personality in Spanish, I mean, he's oh, one of the all, all-time likable guys. So yeah. that moves him up ahead of guys like Zlatan and Ronaldo, too. You know? Well, he's coming for me. He's coming for us. <laughs> like, the minute he learns English, like, this is a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's an all-time, I mean, he's an all-time great player, all-time great guy. Like I said, that goal against QPR in 2012 that clinched the Premier League is for neutrals. I think that might be the best goal ever scored. You know, for for if you're just watching as a neutral. Um, but he, you know, but uh, like you said, at the end of the day, he's a Man City legend. He's a he's a he's a um, Premier League legend. 
he's not a Barca legend. He's barely even a Barca player. No one will ever associate him with Barca. So it was a little weird uh, watching him at Camp Nou getting, you know, I mean, I'm glad the club stepped up and gave him a nice send off if that's what he wanted. But yeah. it's kind of weird, especially juxtaposed to how the greatest player of all time and Barca's greatest legend left over the summer. But, you know, Aguero's, uh, I wish him well. Um, he's, uh, like I said, he's an all-timer and an all-time, all-time great guy. Um, yeah, I do have some more stats for you here, even. He has the best minutes per goal ratio of any player with at least 10 goals in EPL. He scored every 108 minutes. And if Barca had a player scored every 108 minutes, that wasn't named Messi or Suarez. That's one of the revol- revolving doors, too. I mean, if he takes... I mean, there are certain moments in Aguero's career, like looking back, where maybe he could have done even more than he did, where mm-hmm. his relationship with, with Guardiola, where if he comes in and says, I'm the alpha here, I know you bought Gabriel Jesus, but either I start like I'm supposed to because I'm Sergio Aguero, or you ship me off. And he goes to you know Inter or Juventus, or I, I think at that juncture he wouldn't have come to Barca because of Suarez, even with Suarez declining. But yeah, I mean, they, if he had decided to be the, the guy and said, I'm the guy, Jesus has to sit on the bench and push Guardiola, I wonder how that ends. And I wonder where he goes after that if he's transferred out. And then part two of that is what if he had come and said a Suarez is like the exactly. real, real big one. That's what I was going to say. And if the sliding doors moment is earlier in time, he leaves Atletico. Sure. Instead of going to Man City, he comes to Barcelona and plays with Messi. Suarez never comes in that instance. But, you know, who knows where that goes. And, um, you know, that, that's an interesting thing to contemplate as well. Because don't take anything away from Suarez in that equation. Like, for Aguero to have been what Suarez was, you'd have to be the third all-time winning goal scorer at FC Barcelona. You had to have been the highest-scoring trident of an attacking trio in history, and you would have had to win a treble. Yeah. Um, you would also have had to not defend for the last two years when you were at the club and not press very often. <laughs> but Aguero also doesn't press very much either. Aguero hasn't pressed for almost four years. I mean, and that is yeah. why Guardiola kind of told him to accept the role as kind of a bench player, and last year was kind of a lost year because he was injured. But mm-hmm. yeah, thirty year, thirty three. You feel like he did have a little more to give. Yeah, but his sure. legacy is still pretty good. And it's, it's. I think the tough thing then too is to figure out where he fits. I agree, and you know, with both Levon pushing, and as you've said too, that no, he's not Zlatan. He's not Messi. He's not. Well, no one is Messi Ronaldo, but he's not Zlatan. Even I don't think he's in that. I don't even think he's uh, Didier Drogba. But he's certainly above Lukaku, if we're, as we continue oh, yeah. to make these lists, right? He's yeah. way above Immobile. He is the step down for Lewandowski. And they're actually almost a similar age. But he is definitely, was never at his point a Lewandowski. Right. The Lewandowski actually, even at Dortmund, maybe a little bit slow to being that national, th- I mean, the international icon, yeah. because he's Polish and plays with Dortmund. I think it actually hurts Lewandowski in that order. Yeah. But, so where do we put Aguero? Do we put him with uh, Diego Forlan? Or, but he, he seems better than him. And I just... Right, every name I, mean, I it's say, it's all situational, I go, right? Because you have guys like like Lewandowski. Lewandowski is a great player, but he plays in the perfect team for him. Of course. Know? And you put Aguero in that team. I don't know. Maybe maybe he scores a lot more goals than he scored for Man City. Man City is spreading goals around. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it, it, comparing players like this for me, Messi's on top, and everybody else is just <laughs> in a jumble. So for sure. Um, yeah. But um, but you know, I, and and again, like Aguero. I mean his. For me, his, his, he's always going to be one of the one of the best because I, I think of him I, of his personality as well. Sure, and I just always enjoyed him as a player. I mean, was exposed to him I think a lot more because I knew because Messi was friends with him. So you know, yeah. as a Barcelona and a Messi fan, you sort of get exposed to Aguero more than I would have some other random Man City player, right? And I follow Argentina, for example. So I feel like I've had a relationship with Aguero for for yeah. a long, long time, even since he was at. at Atletico. Well, even Atleti, Diego Simeone, the Argentine, gets all the credit for it. But if you don't have Aguero, I mean, and Fernando Torres also did the whole part of it. Actually, yeah. 
I think we finally, I think I finally got there. I worked my way around. I workshopped it. I think Fernando Torres is actually the answer because if you're talking Spain in this generation, right, mm-hmm. you're talking David Villa, not Fernando Torres. Yeah, Fernando Torres scored big goals, played for big clubs, had yeah. huge years. And I think that's exactly where Sergio Aguero belongs as almost like contemporary where you can, I mean, I'm a numbers guy. I mean, his numbers are just, His numbers you can't, you can't compete with, yeah. right? He didn't score the same goals that Henri did, but he also did. He scored five goals in one game. He scored more hat-tricks than Alan Shearer. I think he has more hat-tricks than anyone in Premier League In history. Premier League history, yeah. yeah. He beat Alan Shearer's 11. Yeah. He is 12. So yeah. the numbers tell you that Aguero, this guy puts the ball in the back of the net like almost anybody else. But he didn't do it the way Terry Henry did it, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I love Terry Henry, because he did it the way Terry Henry did it. And so I think, yeah, in all those instances where even uh, Eric Cantona, where you talk about him for Manchester United, and whether it was the trophies or even kicking somebody, it's just <laughs> on the field it wound up being so much more. And Aguero was just kind of... He was a messy light in terms of even his personality on the field where, you know, he barked a little bit, but he wasn't, he, he never got in enough trouble, but he also was always bickering a little bit, yeah. right? He always had a little bit he of always a, had a little personality. Yeah, a little bit of edge to him. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to say goodbye to Aguero, unfortunately. And I think the last, you know, how we wrap up the Aguero segment is saying, what does that mean for Barca? Yeah. Well, that means a registration spot in January. Yeah. And that means some salary, as you would mention, that his salary is probably going to be pretty much paid for through insurance. Yeah, the, it's interesting with, with Aguero, and I, I think this is part part of just who he is and his legacy. You know, there, there are three possibilities for Barca at this point, or, or, or Aguero with Barca. He could have, and he, and, he, and he was certainly well within his rights to, to see how this went, right? Maybe, maybe in a month or two, maybe he gets a different diagnosis or things look different. He could have stayed throughout the year. He could have collected his salary, you know, and... While, while, while sitting in the stands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he could have retired like he did, and Barca gets back. Uh, I, think, I think it's been reported that he's given up next year's part of his salary completely. Yes. And then this year it's going to be some reduced amount, probably a settlement, probably paid by insurance. Mm-hmm. And then the third possibility, of course, was he gets healthy and he comes back and he scores 12 right. goals for Barca the rest of the way in a resurgent Barca's fight for the top four. I just think, I just think we all knew that that was a very unlikely scenario, even before the, the heart issue. I mean, for myself, I never quite like embraced Aguero as a Barcelona player as much as I love him because I just never expected after his injury riddled season last year yeah. and coming in injured this year and sort of barely getting back on the field that he was going to stay healthy and produce goals for us. I also think there's something to the fact that he came to play with Messi and once yeah. Messi left that did kind of put a dark cloud on Aguero's existence of being there yeah. where the guy you came to play with is not here your friend your one of your best friends is right. not here not around to play with i think stuff. aguero was leaving in the summer even under the best of circumstances so not not to be crass about it but like you know it's actually a good thing for for barcelona that he retired uh, as opposed to what the other likely scenario is yeah. which is just sits around and collects salary you know a la gareth bale or you know or you know other 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 players that we've seen that or barca players too. actually yeah. <laughs> some barca players in the past <laughs> or current yeah so yeah and unfortunately, they, and they, some some of those guys don't even—they're not even in the stands; they're on the bench, but they're they're offering just about as much. But anyway, I, and I also think that reflects well on Sergio Aguero that he's always had integrity. He's always mm. been a stand-up guy, and yep. I think he wasn't—he's not the kind of guy who's going to just sit back and just collect money. Yeah, I mean, and he's also—he's not going anywhere. I mean, he's going to be involved in television. He's going to be involved. I mean, the move in theory back to Spain, getting involved in their media once again. I mean, his Twitch stream is—it is the stream to yep. be on. I mean, that and PK. Those two, I mean, so they'll continue on. I don't think he'll have an affiliation with Barca per se, right. but he will be a figure for a while, like in, in media, and it'll be cool to see. So, yeah, we say goodbye to uh, a legend of the game, if not a legend of FC Barcelona, just mm-hmm. unfortunately a footnote, but 
Yeah, I mean, the one going on Classico, we can look back and, well, it was that a big win or anything? It was the one going to score for Barca. But speaking of number nines, speaking of forwards, speaking of transfers, potentially, yes, Aguero leaving and freeing up some salary is going to be helpful for registering players in January. And, I mean, there's so many names on both of our notes in front of us mm-hmm. that we have, that we could throw out that have been on Twitter in the last two, three weeks. And it just like when the groundhog comes out and there's six more weeks of winter, well, it's about January time, so it means that there's... Yeah. Two more weeks of, of January transfer stuff. But I think you and I were speaking in a very mature way about it. It comes down to how much money Barca has to spend on transfers. But actually, more importantly, and if you listen to Tebas, who always seems to give his interviews like an evil Bond villain, when you listen to him and hear him, there's a bit more, I think, it's just it's a bit cynical from Tebas. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle that Barca may be able to get some things done and get players registered and get salary all set and go. But how much is that? Like, we know that Danny Ellis has taken almost nothing and really helped out the club. But how many other players can actually come in and fit under that limit, especially if no players go out? Because if no players go out, then nothing gets done. It's going to be super challenging. First of all, on Tavis, it's just it's incredibly unprofessional for Tavis to be talking about what teams within the league can do or can't do in the press. It to makes, afford other players in other yeah, leagues. Yeah, it it's, makes no sense no, whatsoever. It's He's interfering with our, negotiate, with our, our negotiations. I, I just don't get that at all, but um, he's, you know, he's who he is. It's going to be very difficult in January because, as, as, as we've discussed before, when Laporta came in, he stuffed a lot of uh, expenses and a lot of debt into this year, partially, I think, to make Bartomeu look bad. You know, he wants to start from the lowest possible point and the worst possible point yeah. so that, you know, when things do recover, um, he can, you know, he can claim victory. But I think also to, to, to kind of wipe the slate clean a little bit. So... This year, I think we have very little room to, to maneuver, whereas I think in the summer, you're going to see that salary, limit, which I think is like $97 million or something right now, jump way yeah, back up. Down from, what was it, 253 or something like that? I think it was even higher. Or 300 and yeah. something, yeah. So, um, but uh, that said, I do think, and we were talking about this a little bit off air, I do think that there's, a, there's, a, there's some maneuverability here in, in January, especially now that we have Aguero's not only his slot back, but... Um, you know, a few million dollars in salary room to work with. I think we'll probably move Luke De Jong out somehow. I know that's not a lot of money, but that'll that'll give us a little bit of more room. And I do think we'll be able to bring in someone like Fernando Torres, and that's what I'm really hoping for. And the reason I think that um, that, that he's the one is because I think he wants to come badly enough. Mm-hmm. I think he wants to come back to Spain badly enough that he'll figure out a way to make it work. And that might mean playing on a very low salary for the rest of this year. And then getting something more backloaded, yeah, yeah, backloaded and, and back up to more of his market value next year and in the, in the future years of his contract. I do think we can we can afford the transfer fee. Uh, I think Man City is a team, luckily that we have a relationship with that we mm-hmm. can work with. So I think we can get payments spaced out just from a cash flow perspective. Obviously, we'll be able to amortize the cost of whatever the transfer fee is over the length of the contract, which I expect would be long, probably five years. Five or years, something. yeah, it's usually um, standard. And uh, I just think there's enough there with, with Torres that I think that one will happen. The other, the other obvious possibility is, um, you know, Dembele might be on his way out. That, you know, that, that's a super complicated situation, right? But, um, oh, yeah. With, with his contract expiring in, in January, it's, 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 it's very difficult, I think, to make the calculation um, that Laporta has to make, which is, and Javi, uh, I'm sure we'll have some saying this as well, is we need to make top four. Like, I'm not even sure, like, all Kalisa understand just how desperate it is that we need to make top four. Mm-hmm. Um, not only from the financial, the, the just the straight finances of the money you get from being in the Champions League tier, but we will not recruit any players this summer. Nobody's right. going to come. No top players are going to come play for, I mean, 
you know, there's been talk of Holland this week. I mean, any any chance we have a Holland of getting Holland, no matter how slim, goes to zero if we're not yeah. in the Champions League next year. So we may need um, Dembélé to to get there, um, but we also don't want to lose him for free. So I think putting everything together, if there's an offer for him in January, and one that he's willing to take, I, I think that we have to let him go in January, which obviously would, op- would open up a lot of a lot of salary space to make some moves in January. Um, yeah, I mean, there are other players too. We talk about free transfers even next year, mm-hmm. where when Holland unfortunately dominates so much of the news. I know he's a Mino Riola client, and uh, obviously Laporte had the relationship with with, that, with him. They had they had lunch this week or whatever, and. They're also saying that this summer, too, those agent commission fees, they're really going to try to crack down on those, and that is going to be a big part of Holland's deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, as in, and if it's not, because we're always going to get less of a cut, that's going to be interesting to see how that whole transfer saga pays out. And you're trying to put him and Mbappe on one team, but we know that Mbappe is going to Real Madrid. That is as almost as done as, mm-hmm. as anything that we've seen. Now, on the other side of that, though, speaking of Luke de Jong, mm-hmm. the, the one that seems to be catching the most fire, the rumor at least, is that in Alexis Sanchez, Luke de Jong's swap is almost completed. Mm-hmm. And where that worries me is you say Ferran Torres to me, mm-hmm. and then I'm looking and I say, well, it seems the one with the, the rumor with the most credence is the one that says that a 33-year-old, well, he turns 33 this week, mm-hmm. Alexis Sanchez, who has one goal in four appearances this year, is potentially coming to Barcelona, and he's who Barcelona's going to get to reinforce in January. So, I mean, that is what worries me. I mean, even Alexis Sanchez, how much more can he give? The good news is, his silver lining, is that he is a center forward now. He, yeah. and we remember him as a winger, playing obviously, you know, next to and uh, both wings. He could play left and right, but he basically has been a center forward as injuries have piled up and he's aged as well from Manchester United and Inter, where it had never really worked out. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, can he give you five goals? That's what you're asking for. But I'll keep going back to it. As much as we talk about January transfers, Pedri and Fati coming back are more important than I mean, maybe even more important than Ferran Torres coming in. Because Ferran Torres, I don't expect him to get 15 goals for you. I would hope that he could get somewhere between 10 and 12, maybe. Mm-hmm. But if Fati can be 90% of Fati from January to May, he can score 20 goals. Yeah. I can gu- I'll guarantee that. This is, these are just big ifs, right? We've not, we, haven't had, we haven't had Ansu for five straight months, ever. So Yeah. Well, is it a bigger if? To say a player that isn't at Barca comes to Barca, or a player that's at Barcelona right yeah, now, I don't know who's supposed to come back next week is going to come back. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Given the you know, like the, you know, Dembele is in the same in the same boat. Like if Dembele is healthy, if Pedri is healthy, if Ansu is healthy, if, Bra- if Braithwaite comes back, if all these things happen, you know, I think things will come together and we'll make top four. Yeah, even without any transfers in or transfers out. But you know. Those are all a big, a lot of big ifs, and I would rather have some insurance with with another player like Ferran Torres. On, on Alexis Sanchez, I mean, we read the same sources and the same, mm-hmm. you know, uh, on all these transfer rumors. You know, we have to sift through what's credible and what's not credible. And I think so. It's interesting. I think you and I have come to different conclusions in reading the same things because I, I think the Alexis Sanchez one sounds a lot more like agent baiting, right? Where the agent mm. for Alexis Sanchez is trying to get his name out there, and you know, Barcelona wants him, so. Maybe he can figure out some deal for That's him. That's fair. Whereas in the front tourist thing, I just think there's enough there with, you know, he's Spanish. It, it does seem like he wants to come to Barcelona. He's the kind of player I think we need right now. Guardiola's comments is the one thing yeah. for me on Ferran Torres that I had to double take. Because Guardiola does not speak about a player that's leaving. Like, he's, he's pretty open about that. He's, he's yeah. always pretty like, oh, well, wherever he plays, he'll play. Mm-hmm. But he's like, well, he's your player right now. And the way he kind of said that was 
ominous enough that yeah. Guardiola is only ominous when a player's leaving. Yeah. And so whether that's a summer or the January window. Yeah. I but, mean, it, I think I think it'll happen in January if Barcelona can make it happen within mm-hmm. within La Liga within La Liga rules. Yeah. I mean, I think that'll happen. The other one is Cavani, which I which I think I, that's the only other one I think I put much credibility into as yeah. a possible January move. He's out of contract this summer. His role has changed completely um, with Ronaldo, um, Ronaldo United. I, I think he wants to get out, and I think he would be a good fit as a stopgap. I'd certainly rather have, if we're going to bring in an old center forward, I'd much rather have Cavani than Alexis Sanchez. Well, but for certain, I mean, one is playing, I mean, even for Uruguay still, and one is, I mean, Alexis Sanchez makes appearances for Chile, but mm. <laughs> not really. I mean, I mean, and if you're speaking about a guy's international career as what can we look at from there, then you know that it's... They're not the right move. They're not informed. They're not the player to kind of grab. Right. But what we do know is, I think, as, as we've spoken about before, whether it was over the summertime even, whether it was Donny van de Beek or Wijnaldum, the names that you knew over the summertime was that Koeman wanted some kind of box-to-box eight who could score a few goals mm-hmm. and would be a bit physical, if you will. And that's who Barcelona needed at the time. Or you'll see over the summer when you saw that Gaia was – or when, when Des transferred in. You saw a bunch of names in the, the weeks prior to in that summer – a bunch of wingbacks being thrown around with their names. The only players seemingly linked with FC Barcelona right now are center forwards, whether that is for the summertime or now. And this one's as clear as day, and I think it's going to actually hurt Barcelona a little bit in these negotiations, where if it takes any amount of money to get some of these players out of their clubs, the clubs might even try to hold the line, even if those players are leaving for free. Yeah. Which is as silly as it sounds. They might say, hey, you know, we would normally give you Cavani for six, mm-hmm. but even though he's a free... We might need him. We might need him. And you're Barcelona, and you need a center forward right now. Yeah. Desperately need a center forward right now. Yeah, our, our situation in the in the uh, the sort of public nature of our collapse financially is not does not help in negotiations. We we, we look like a desperate club, and the last thing you want to be at a negotiating table is desperate. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, be it's, it's weird too because we come in it from the Barcelona lens and. As much as top four, you're right, is cataclysmic. And now you're scaring me in person instead of usually on the phone, <laughs> email or phone. But um, as cataclysmic as the top four situation is for FC Barcelona to not only attract transfers, but just just looking ahead to what we know this team can be capable of with all the teenagers, with all the young talent, with Xavi. And as I said, I continue to trust in his tactics. I think he's going to have to figure new things out in the Liga. A Liga is just a different league. And his team... He has never coached, because he's only coached outside, he's never coached the inferior team. Mm-hmm. And Barcelona is, I mean, on Tuesday, they're going to be inferior to Sevilla. Mm-hmm. Sevilla is a better team than Barcelona at the moment right now. Yeah. Talent, young talent-wise, it's not close. Barcelona's easily, the five-year plan is beyond what Sevilla could throw out right now. But yeah, I mean, the, the, for Barcelona fans and Kool-Aids, you know that the future is bright in paper, or like on paper, in theory, it is bright. But unfortunately, so many Kool-Aids as well are reading those those reactions, right? Mm-hmm. As in, there's always surprise when Barcelona lose to Bayern Munich. No Kool-Aid who watches FC Barcelona every week were surprised in the least that it was 3-0. I mean, that was the... I mean, or, or 3-1, or 4-1, rather, or whatever the number was. But the... the, the, the uh, 4-0, right. The other, 3-0, yeah. 3-0. Well, the other, yeah, 3-0. The other Bayern Munich loss, no one's surprised by that happening. Mm-hmm. If Barcelona loses Sevilla 3-1 or 2-0, I think 2-0 is a fair prediction against Sevilla at the juncture where they're, where they're all so hot and cold, where you saw what they did in the Copa del Rey. Yeah. They barely got through the first two rounds. And they, and they one, did not one look to, good in the Champions League. And they looked they, terrible in Champions League. They had a very winnable group there. So, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm not quite as pessimistic as you may be against Sevilla. I think ho- ho- I'm, I'm hoping for a draw in that game. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that that's possible. I'm actually really hoping that we can just get a little bit of momentum here 
before before Christmas, and then we have Mallorca as the last game of the of the last half of the of the first half of the season, right after the break, even though it's the nineteenth game. Um, yeah, and I and I'm I'm actually going to be optimistic and hope for seven points out of those three games. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean Sevilla's a draw. As I said, they're in bad form, and it would be. I, I mean, I think I am being a little bit overt pessimistic to say that Sevilla is better right now in theory than Barcelona, but. You're right. Sevilla is not great. And if you're a Sevilla fan, you're actually worried about Barca coming to town. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the final point I want to make about even the transfers, where these Holland transfers are being thrown out on... I, I, you know, I never want to throw them under the bus, but I always say the ESPN FCs or the huge, like Marca or, 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 or Ass or whoever it may be. These are international places where these transfers are being thrown about because that's what gets clicks mm-hmm. from non-Coulet supporters. And mm-hmm. so... Barcelona's demise, even in results right now, can from the international perspective or from the whatever the national media seems even worse than it is. Yeah. Where you look on the field and there are things that can happen, but as you said, that prophecy that Barcelona is in complete shambles or whatever on the field at least it does it will at least come to fruition if Barca don't get top four. Yeah, right. And, and and that's the worrisome thing that I don't want to prove them right when they say. Barcelona are way, way off it. Like, we know they're way, way off it, right. but also Ansu Fati's in playing, Pedri's in playing. They never bring up those things. Like, those things are true. Those things exist. Yeah. Injuries are not an excuse. Injuries are reality. Yeah. That's what Xavi has to deal with. And we have had an unbelievable run of injuries. I mean, the, obviously, there's been a lot of speculation about what the reasons are for that, but whatever they are, we've been incredibly unlucky with injuries. But and you and I have talked about this offline. You know, we've been communicating about this for a year or so. I, I do think the situa- this situation is not good, um, mm-hmm. but it's not as bad. As, as I think the most media make it out to be. And, and I think that's partially because Laporta wanted to make it look really bad. Yeah. Well, I'll, well I'll ask you, though. I, I've been talking the last two shows. What does Is this rock bottom? Is finally Barcelona <laughs> at... Is, is if we hit the tip of... I mean, the bottom of the valley. I think it's rock bottom when we, when we get knocked out by Napoli in the Europa League. But, but, but is it, though? Because then the focus all is on top four. I don't know. If we don't <laughs> make top four, that's rock bottom. That's rock bottom. Like, Fair. I, really, I mean, this Fair. year, you know... Like I said, the, I don't think the financial situation is as bad as, as it's made out to be. But right now, this year, we are very, very constrained financially. So there's not, there's, you know, maybe yeah. we'll maybe we'll get front tours. That would be incredible. But there's no real cavalry coming in in, in January um, unless you know, like you said, Hansu and Pedri and everybody gets back healthy. But if if and we need, we just need to make top four. And if we make top four, I think the financial stuff is gonna is gonna be okay. Yeah, I think it's gonna be okay. We're gonna get a new shirt sponsor coming up. Just we'll get people back in the stadium. You know, crowds will. You know, yeah. The gate, the gate is so important for Barcelona. Yeah, we did a little bit the other day. Something like the museum yeah. is so important for Barcelona. Yeah, revenue. It's, it's, it's crazy, I think it's eight percent of total revenue. Yeah, and that's so much. I, yeah. you can't. You understand that? An enormous that. amount. Yeah. So I mean, I think things are gonna be okay. I really do. Even to the point of, and I know, I know this this may sound absurd to a lot of people that I think Holland could be in play this summer. A lot depends on whether where he wants to go, right? He's yeah. going to go where he wants to go. Sure. But we have a couple things going for us. And, and, and I think number one is the relationship that Mino Riola and Laporta have. I don't think Mino Riola has a lot of friends, uh, but Laporta is one of them. Yeah. And they, they legitimately have a good relationship. And I don't think he has a good relationship with a lot of clubs. Um, yeah, I think, you know, you may remember um, last time I was on the pod, which was maybe seven or eight months ago, I had laid out sort of my my theory about Real Madrid being our nemesis, not our enemy, you know. Right. My dream scenario was they get Mbappe. I actually wanted them to get Mbappe, and I want us to get Holland, and we set up the Ronaldo, Messi, you know. Right. Uh, Duopoly, uh, yeah. Yeah, for the, next, for the next decade. I think that, that a lot's happened since then, right? Yeah. But I think that that, that possibility still exists. It's, well, you do hear rumors that players still want to play for Barcelona. I mean, and again, anyone who's been to Barcelona understands one of the 
reasons off the field why you want to live in Barcelona. But that's but part of that too is that even if Barcelona in this downspell or whatever you want to call it, FC Barcelona, because if anything, Real Madrid can never stand alone. We're at a right. juncture because of Messi. And I mean, I, you could argue for the first the 100 years before Messi was the case. I'm not sure. But because of Messi, and as long as Messi is still remembered by a lot of people, which will be 20, 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. Barcelona will exist as a big club. Yeah. And I think that's it's a stupid term. I'm using quotes. And I get to use quotes in person, but it's a big term. But I mean, it's a stupid term, but big club, that is what Barca is, and that will still attract players no hope, matter what. I hope that's true. I think that luster could – I think that's true right now. It will be true for a year or two or three. Right. But, I mean, that luster could wear could off. Wear off we, yeah. could, we could become, you know, AC Milan. I mean, talking about big clubs, I mean, Leeds was a big club, you know, 30 years ago. Valencia yeah. was one of the, the biggest is, clubs yeah. in Europe, you know, 30 years ago. So, you know – Things do change. I mean, it's they not do. inevitable that Barcelona stays on top. But I, I, I don't know, historically, I mean, again, I don't know who cares about history but me, but I mean, like Manchester United, no matter what, they can never fall above a certain threshold yeah. of always, always being connected to players, no matter, or even Arsenal. I mean, the way Arsenal's still spoken about, yeah. you're going to need another 10 years of Arsenal being Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, Arsenal and Spurs are a little silly, but, but, but they just benefit from being in the Premier League. I mean, they have, loads of, they have loads of cash. I mean, Barcelona has money only insofar as they are a big club and they will be a big club only as far as they have money. So right. we could be at this inflection point, right, with Messi gone and, you know, things are – if we miss out on top four and we're out of the Champions League for a couple of years, I mean, then, you know, revenue goes way down. You know, the, the, the millions of Barcelona fans around the world who maybe were really more Messi fans than Barcelona fans, yep. maybe they find a new club, you know, they sort of drift away – you know, you and I will still be here talking about it, but, um, yeah. you know, will will we still have that sort of worldwide reach or will things just diminish, 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 diminish? Once you get, once you get on that downward trajectory, I think it's very hard to turn it back around. Well, I mean, even the relationship between the Liga and the Spanish FA is something we have to keep looking at. Like, we talk about Tebas, but he also has to be reelected as well. And it's not just him, but it's all those people involved behind the scenes in the Liga. I think La Liga, I mean, they need to do, I mean, even if the, the gooster comes to roost, like, they need to make sure that they're promoting and and actually caring about the best interests of their clubs so there's going to come a juncture where but i don't know because in the bundesliga not to say that all the clubs agree but again the clubs themselves kind of agree that Bayern munich wins a league as opposed to in la liga where no not everyone is happy if real madrid wins the next five la ligas mm-hmm. it's not going to be good for la liga and spain if they're if if you know tebas is looking out over his kingdom and he has real madrid you know, right next to him in an ivory tower, and then he has all those distressed assets yeah. between Valencia and the Peter. You know, if you think that Barcelona has issues like with Peter Lim, and there's just La Liga is, I think they are at an inflection point as much as Barca is. I agree. And Barca is actually a reflection of how Spain helped with, dealt with the pandemic, how they're currently dealing with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many bigger things at work, as I always try to remind us at the Barcelona podcast. We're all about FC Barcelona, mm-hmm. but there's issues in a lot of different places. And the Liga would be wise to make sure that not just Barca, but Barca. Valencia, mm-hmm. Athletic, uh, Athletic Club, uh, Atletico Madrid. You basically have your uh, Real Sociedad, Real Betis, Sevilla. I don't mm-hmm. want to leave anybody out. You have like seven clubs plus. You got to keep them in the Liga. Yeah. You have to keep them in the top, you know, in at least in the top twelve every year. You've got to make sure that those are they're selling tickets and they're putting butts in seats and yeah. doing things like that. But all right, Mike, I, I think we we could go on about the greater part of the club, but unfortunately, I, I do have these one or two times a week, so <laughs> I need other stuff to talk about. But this is so much fun to do in person. 
Again, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at the Marceline Pod, close Facebook group, all that. And then Mike is a patron. So while I, I cannot, and I promise my other patrons, I will not be at your house. <laughs> but I do like I did Mike. <laughs> However, uh, it was great to be here with Mike. And again, him being a patron is what started our relationship to be able to get all the way here and to do this kind of thing. So this was awesome. And then on YouTube too, at the Marceline Podcast. But most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, of course, of course.